We are on week three of a three-part series looking at our vision here at St. Paul's Shadwell. And it's been exciting, hasn't it? Mmm, that was, a, that was a, a, a small response there. I've been so excited. I, I get genuinely really excited talking about our vision. I love the vision that we have here at St. Paul's Shadwell. A vision to make disciples, to transform communities, and to plant churches. I love it. I really love it. And I love it because it sounds good, but not only does it sound good, but it looks good. And it looks good because that is what we see. That is what we have been seeing God doing amongst us. You know, we've been seeing disciples made. We've been seeing people come to faith on Alpha. You know, we've been seeing our congregations growing with people coming to know Jesus for the first time. You know, we have been able to baptise uh, people who've been meeting Jesus. It was brilliant this morning. We had uh, Sam Thorne. Some of you will know her. She gave a testimony about how she's come uh, here to St. Paul Shadwell and met Jesus because uh, she wanted to, to bring her baby to come and be christened, and she uh, was encouraged to come on an Alpha course uh, before she did that. Uh, she thought she was going to come along to the church for kind of seven or eight weeks and then never come back again. Uh, she's been here for seven or eight years now, and she loves Jesus. You know, it's so exciting to see the way that disciples are being made here. You know, it's so exciting to see the way that communities are being transformed and that churches are being planted. One of the things I've been uh, reflecting on a bit is uh, just the way that this church has been able to transform the church of Tower Hamlets. You know, over the past decade, this church, St. Paul's Shadwell, has planted out Four significant plants, you know, you know this, who planted in St. Peter's, Bethnal Green, All Hallows, Bow, St. Luke's, Millwall, over into C.C. Spitz, Christchurch, Spitalfields, you know, along with a host of other exciting initiatives. And it's amazing to see what God is doing here amongst us. Uh, and actually, when you look at the church in Tower Hamlets, it's amazing to see the way that it has been transformed. God's community here has been transformed. And it's amazing the way that bridges have been built in so many different ways, into so many different parts of our community, uh, to see people uh, come and meet Jesus. You know, I get so, so excited about our vision. I went to a wedding uh, yesterday, uh, and does everyone love weddings? People love weddings? I love going to weddings. And one of the things, I, there's lots of things I love about weddings, but one of the things I particularly love about going to weddings is you get to meet loads of people that you haven't seen for ages. And that's fun, isn't it? And you get to basically have the same conversation about 25 times. <laughs> and so, you know, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm doing really, you know, and then, hey, yeah, and the same thing over and over. But, but actually, I, I loved it yesterday because people kept coming up to me and saying, how's it going at SPS? And I got to say, it's fantastic. I love it. This place is full of life. And it's so exciting to see what God's doing here. And I got to say that about 20, 25 times to people yesterday. And it was brilliant. I genuinely love being a part of this family. And I love the vision that God has given us. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel uh, 37. We've been going through this passage over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we are going to look at it uh, one last time uh, tonight. Uh, Ezekiel was a prophet. He was someone that spoke God's word, uh, and uh, Ezekiel comes on the scene in a particularly dark time uh, in Israel's history, when Israel had been smashed as a country, taken off into exile, uh, and uh, the Babylonian Empire was ruling. But you know, it's amazing that even in the dark times, even in the dry times, God speaks. 
and God speaks through his prophet uh, Ezekiel and gives him an incredible vision. Uh, and we're just using uh, this amazing vision that God gave to Ezekiel as uh, a bit of a lens for us to learn some stuff about how we interact with the vision that God has given us here as we outwork his purposes in East London. Hey, why don't you read with me? I'm going to go from uh, verse 1, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, well, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a rattling noise. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is what the sovereign Lord is going to do. Oh my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. Hey, why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks and we pray that you would speak to us afresh tonight. Thank you, God, that you speak even in the dark and the difficult and the dry times. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and have your way tonight as we take these moments and study your word together. Would you inspire us for this season that we are stepping into? Amen. Amen. What an incredible vision. It's inspiring stuff. Isn't it? You imagine being Ezekiel, getting this incredible vision, a vision of restoration, a vision of hope. Absolutely amazing, inspiring stuff. And over the past couple of weeks, we've kind of been tracking through and we've been looking uh, at really kind of how God takes Ezekiel through this vision. Uh, and, we, and, we, and we begin uh, in the place of God asking a question. You know, God says to Ezekiel, 
Look around. Will these bones live? You know, I think it's interesting because it's a question that each of us get asked. Look around, says God. Look around. Look around at this church, at your family, at your life, at your relationships, at at your workplace. Look at your studies. Look in your neighborhoods. Will these bones live? God asks a question, and then he gives Ezekiel an invitation. He says, prophesy to the bones. Speak. Speak life. You know, and I think each one of us are being asked by God to look around, to raise our faith, and to choose to speak life into our world, into the darkness, into the dryness. Speak life. And of course, as Ezekiel does that, transformation occurs. There's a rattling. A sound begins to raise in the valley. And suddenly, bones come together, bone to bone. And we looked at this last week. This idea that we are called to come together. The sound of hope, the sound of transformation is the sound of coming together. We are called to be a people who come together. It's the reversal of disunity and separation. It's the coming together of God's people. That's what hope sounds like. That's what God wants for each one of us. God doesn't want us to be on our own, but to come together and to stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, bone to bone. But it doesn't end there because we speak life and then as we come together, we find that there's still more. And God says, well, I will put tendons and flesh and skin on these bones. And then I will breathe. Breathe life. Breathe my spirit into you. And we're going to pick that up a little bit today. We want to put some flesh on these bones. And you know, I think the most exciting thing about this vision, about the vision that we're all caught up in, is that it reminds us that actually what, what God is not about is making, is making bad things good. You know, so often when we think about religion, uh, uh, we, we try and talk about our faith sometimes. We, we can very easily just start talking about, well, how do we make bad things good? How can I be better? But that's not what God is calling us to. Jesus doesn't want to make bad things good. He wants to make dead things alive. That is the vision that we are being called into. To play our part in seeing dead things come to life. You know, and I believe that God wants to say to some of us tonight, there's some things that you think are dead. Things that you think have died. Maybe some dreams. Maybe some relationships. And God wants to say, I am the God of resurrection, the God who brings dead things to life. You know, that is the power of Jesus that we are invited to join into. I love it here in these verses. Verse 5, it says, and you will come to life. Verse 6, so that you might live. 
Verse 10, so that you might come alive, a vast army. And then he goes on to talk about Israel, about the opening of graves and the bringing to life of that which was dead. This nation who'd been smashed, all their hopes, all their dreams, the promises of God that they had stepped into, taken away. Yet God says, those things that you think are dead, I am going to bring back to life. You know, our God is a God of a resurrection. And it's the most exciting thing that we get to join in with. The raising of a vast army who are about God's business of bringing dead things to life. But you know, Ezekiel has a choice in all of this. You know, does he want to be involved? You know, I... I, I kind of try to picture the scene, you know, what if Ezekiel had said, well, actually, hey, this sounds nuts, God. What do you mean talk to the bones? I'm not going to speak, prophesy to a bunch of bones. You know, well, what, maybe, well, what would have happened had Ezekiel not done what God had asked him to do? I don't know, probably nothing. But he did what God had asked him to do. He proactively stepped out and obeyed God. And he sees this incredible miracle of resurrection, of hope happen before him. And, and, and today I just want to touch on a few of the things that I believe that God calls us to do as we step in and join in with his army, as we step into the vision that he has given us to help make dead things come to life. You know, but the problem is we don't like being told what to do, do we? I don't like being told what to do. Uh, in fact, my day uh, started not, not particularly well this morning. Many, many of you know I've got a little girl called Adelaide. She's four. Uh, and she uh, has just decided that she doesn't like to be told what to do. And, uh, and she's, she's only little and she's only four. But we get quite a lot of mm, this now. And we're trying to encourage her. You know, Adelaide, do you want to have your breakfast? Mm, stamp in the foot. You know, how about we get you to, mm, get you to, you know, and I, and I think, oh gosh, this is actually what I'm like, isn't it? She's learned this from her father. You know, I hate to be told what to do, but I think, you know, God wants to give us some instruction. You know, in fact, that's why he's given us his word. You know, if we want to be a part of his army, there are some practical things that we must do. I've been super inspired by Nick uh, recently. Uh, you know, many of you will know Nick. Nick's amazing. He kind of heads up uh, all of our production. He's our IT guru here uh, at SPS. And, uh, and one of the things that you may not know about Nick is that uh, he uh, wants to join the army. And really, really feels like this is what God is, uh, is leading him towards, to join the army. And, um, and uh, a little while ago, he, he applied uh, for the army, and he, he got through on everything, except he was told um, that his eyesight wasn't good enough. In fact, he knew his eyesight wasn't good enough, and they said, actually, you can't join the army uh, unless you've got your 20-20 vision. But Nick was resolute that this is what he felt called to go and do, and so at great expense to himself, uh, he went and had laser eye surgery, and, uh, and it, he's got this amazing vision now. You can see me, can't you, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And, um, 
And, and I was really inspired by that. That actually, at, at great expense to himself, he said, no, this is what I feel that I'm being called to do. And I know there's some, some things that I need to do in order to get there. So I am going to do them. No matter how much it costs, no matter how inconvenient it might feel for me, I'm going to do them because this is where I feel God leading me. You know, I'm really inspired by that. You know, if we want to join God's army, then we need to do the things that God calls us to do. And so we're going to be a little bit practical this morning. Uh, I hope that's okay. We've been talking a lot of big vision stuff over the last couple of weeks, but we're going to do some practical stuff. How is it that we can join in? Uh, And I'm giving you a disclaimer right up front. We are going to talk about giving uh, financially at some point a little bit later. Uh, I know lots of we don't like talking about that sometimes, but one of the things that I love about being here at SPS is actually we, we don't apologize uh, for that. You know, giving financially is one of the things that we love to do. It's part of our worship to God, and we're going to come on to that uh, later. You know, really, there's three things that I want to talk to us about tonight that we do in order to be a part of God's army, and that is to, to turn up and to team up, and then together to take up the resources that we have, and offer them to God. But you know, the first thing we, we must do if we want to be in God's army is to turn up. To turn up. And, and actually, I think that's one of the big challenges of our age. We are so busy. There's so many things that we have on in our lives, so many conflicting priorities. You know, another person that has really inspired me recently is a guy called Father Jones, and he was the priest in the neighbouring parish over there in, in uh, Wapping, uh, St Peter's London Dock, and he's just retired. He'd been there for just over 20 years. Um, they're from a very different tradition to us. Uh, they wear robes all the time, and um, I don't, and as you can see, and, and it's, but, but, they're, but they're amazing, and I've just been really inspired uh, by them and, uh, and actually my little girl Adelaide goes to the school St Peter's London Dock School and it's incredible to see the way that they are present in that school uh, and Father Jones had his leaving lunch uh, a little while ago just at the start of the summer um, we were sitting there in Pizza Express and I was there in my, uh, in my denim shirt and he was there in his black cassock uh, and, his, uh, and, and his hat and, um, and we were sitting there and, and I thought this is wonderful actually even in all of our diversity even in the different traditions and the different patterns of worship we have. It's wonderful that we can come together and enjoy one another's company, learn from one another, and come around the things that we agree on, which is that Jesus is king, and we all want to be a part of his army together. You know, what an amazing privilege. I thought this as I was sitting in Pizza uh, Express. And, um, uh, and, and someone asked Father Jones and, and said, after 20-plus uh, years in, in that part, what's the one thing that you think is, is just the most significant thing that you've learned? Uh, in your ministry and he thought for a moment and then he said faithfulness persistently being present faithfulness and it really struck me because that is exactly what I have seen them do you know the persistent presence that they have certainly in the in the school around in the local area a faithful dedication to turn up and to be present. You know, if we want to be a part of God's army, we've got to turn up. Because if we don't, well, then we're just not there. 
We have to turn up. And it is a challenge because we are busy. You know, people reckon that in London, church attendance for individuals is probably kind of maybe one in three Sundays at best. I don't know if you can relate to that. You know, and of course, there's lots of great reasons why we might only come to church one out of three, you know, because we've got busy work lives. We've got busy social lives. You know, we, we go away for the weekends, particularly if we live in London, but we need to turn up. We need to be present. And I think one of the things that God is calling us to is a commitment to one another. A love for one another that says we're going to make our presence a priority. We've got to turn up. One of the other things that really challenged me uh, when we were at Focus, which is our church Uh, holiday uh, just at the end of July was when the Bishop of Kensington, Graham Tomlin, was speaking and he was uh, talking about the church's response to the the tragedy uh, with Grenfell Towers and and he was reflecting on it uh, just about how he and and other uh, local church leaders in in the Kensington area um, didn't know what to do when this thing happened but they just kind of turned up and as they turned up it was remarkable the way that they were able to minister to the people there on the ground around Grenfell and they continued to do that and I was inspired Graham said we've got to be present we must turn up you know and there's a challenge for each one of us are we going to turn up because if we turn up then we're able to team up. In Hebrews, uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. I love this verse. It's a verse that I've come back to uh, over and over. Uh, One of the things that I love to do uh, is actually actually to to go to church, to be at church, which is quite handy because I'm a vicar. Yeah, I do. I have a lot of job satisfaction, something I really enjoy. And, and actually, I, and I think it's one of the things that, that God really put in my heart. And I love this verse. And it's something that I've come back to over and over through my life. That Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 25. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And I was just reflecting on this verse again this week, and I noticed something that I'd never seen uh, before. Uh, I, I went back and I, I started to study this verse in the original uh, language, in the Greek that it was originally written in. Uh, and I noticed that the, the word uh, to encourage one another uh, that is written there is the Greek word parakleo. Parakleo. Which, which means it's, it's, they're trying to encourage, to draw alongside. Uh, and as I looked at that, I was suddenly reminded, and I thought, well, hang on a minute. That, what, what's the word that, that is used exclusively throughout the New Testament by Jesus for the Holy Spirit? Well, the original Greek word is, is parakletos. You know, parakleo is the verb for the noun parakletos. Parakletos is the Holy Spirit. It's the name that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit. When he says, I am going to send another, one who's going to come alongside you, that is the Parakletos, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. And as I was reading this, the penny suddenly dropped, and I thought, hey, actually this is amazing, because when we meet together, we're, we're called to encourage one another, to Parakletos, parakle- oh, my gosh, I'm getting confused. This is why I don't do Greek stuff much. Um, 
we're called to parakleo, you know, to encourage one another. I thought, hang on, this is the work, this is the verb of the Holy Spirit. What happens when we meet together? The work of the Holy Spirit happens. When we come together, when we turn up and team up, the Holy Spirit is present and he is at work. He's doing his business among us when we turn up and when we team up together. And I was so encouraged by that again. Yeah, you know, there's an amazing story that we often tell uh, on Alpha, a story of a, a young man who uh, is struggling with the weight of life. Uh, he's unsure what to do. Uh, he's feeling disconnected from his, uh, from his community. Uh, he's just spending a lot of time on his own, kind of, sort of wallowing in his own uh, sort of uncertainty around life. And he goes and sees an older, uh, trusted friend uh, and describes the situation. Uh, and he goes around to this uh, guy's house and they sit in a couple of comfy chairs in front of a fire. Uh, and as his older, trusted friend listens, he doesn't say anything. But he gradually just reaches out, gets a pair of uh, tongs and pulls a hot coal out of the centre of the fire. And he kind of just holds it for a while and then places it away from the fire on the edge of the hearth. And then just goes on listening, doesn't say anything. And then after 20 minutes or so, uh, he just points at the coal, which has now gone kind of dark and black. And he, he kind of licks his fingers and he, and he actually picks it up with his fingers, and, uh, and he says, watch. And he places the coal back in the center of the fire. And of course, sure enough, it comes back to life, hot at the center of the fire. Uh, he didn't need to say any more, but the young man knew what he needed to do. He needed to come back together to meet with those who were going to encourage him, that were going to help bring him life you know, there's so many ways that we get to meet up. You know, the great thing about church is that church isn't just about Sundays, is it? But, you know, there's loads of ways that we do come together on Sundays. There's loads of teams that we get to be a part of as we worship together. You know, there's lots of teams that you see active here, like, uh, you know, the worship team, the, the, all the, the kids and the youth teams uh, in the morning, the welcome teams. There's loads of teams uh, that happen that aren't necessarily quite so seen you know, we've already spoken about Nick and there's a new production team that Nick's been building. You know, if you're interested in kind of slidey knobs and things like that, give Nick a shout. He'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, Tim uh, here in the evening is kind of heading up the hospitality team and, and people that are setting up and getting stuff ready for this service. You know, there's lots of teams that are taking place and these are ways that we get to meet together, encourage one another as we work together. Uh, of course, we spoke last week about the groups. We've just launched all of our new groups, and there's so many different groups that are happening now in this church. I love the fact there's so much life here as people are meeting together to study the Bible midweek. They're, they're meeting together to go running together. Uh, they're meeting together just to hang out and have dinner. You know, and you are all invited. You know, we all get to do this stuff together. It's part of meeting up. It's part of encouraging one another, allowing the Holy Spirit to be amongst us. You know, we've talked about alpha. We've talked about growth. You know, these are great things that we get to do as church. This is church. When we come together, we turn up, we team up, and we see the Holy Spirit move. Uh, and what we want to build here at SPS is a culture of this. You know, we don't just want to have a series of structures that everyone has to slot into, but we want to build a culture, a culture of commitment to one another. 
a culture of loving and preferring one another, of going out of our way for one another as we come together for the sake of the rest of the world. We turn up, we team up, and then together we get to take up our gifts, our offerings, our resources to present them to the Lord. And we just, I'm just going to take a moment just to think about uh, giving and the way that we are able to be involved in the vision uh, of this church through our financial giving. I know we're going to spend some time worshipping again and we're going to take some time uh, to think about how we might want to do that. Yeah, we do this a couple of times a year. Uh, again, if you're a regular here, you'll know this. Uh, we, do, we do like to talk about money and about giving because it is something that's really important to all of us. If you're, if you're new here, if it's your first time, if you're visiting here tonight, please don't feel under any pressure uh, as we begin to talk uh, about this. Uh, this is something that we do as a family. This is family business as we talk about the way uh, that we give. I'm just going to very quickly talk about the three uh, ways uh, that we hear in the Bible that we give. Uh, and, the, and the first thing is that we hear about uh, tithing. Hey, we're going to come on to that later, guys. We're not there yet. That's the proactive bit at the end. Um, the, um, the, uh, we're going to t- uh, the Bible has a whole series of principles for us. And the first one is kind of a, if you like, it's a percentage-based model of how we approach our finances and give to God. And it's something that we see right from the beginning of Scripture. We read about it first in Genesis 4 with Adam and Eve's son, Abel, where he brings the first fruits that he has and sacrifices them to the Lord. There's something about bringing the first fruits that we have the first percentage of what we earn, of what we own, and bringing it to God in worship. Well, we then continue to see it throughout the Old Testament with people like Abraham uh, and, and with others who model uh, this kind of percentage-based giving. Uh, we hear about the principle of tithing. You know, as a church, uh, you know, I would never say everyone's, everyone's got to give 10%. You know, but I think that we should think about how we want to give first of what we earn, of what God has given us. Because it is a principle that echoes throughout Scripture. And giving in this way is something that is always motivated by our worship. It's something between me and God. It's something that that I do because I love Jesus and I want to organise, prioritise my life around him. It's about my worship to him. It's about my discipleship. The second uh, kind of way that we read about giving is, uh, is kind of about special offerings. And again, it's something we see echoed uh, throughout Scripture. We see it a lot in the prophets like Ezekiel, like Malachi, like uh, Haggai, who talk about uh, rebuilding God's house and call on the people of God to give over and above, to give into the work of building God's kingdom. And again, we see this echoed throughout the New Testament uh, as the early church gave in order to grow the church that God was building. They gave over and above to care for one another because God had given them a vision of his kingdom that was coming. If if kind of percentage-based giving is something that's motivated by our worship uh, to God, by our discipleship, kind of offerings over and above is really worship, is really... uh, um, is, is really directed and instigated by our vision. 
is motivated by the things that God has shown us because we want to grow his church. And then thirdly, we read loads in the Bible about, about alms, about giving to the poor. You know, motivated by compassion, motivated by need. You know, these are three ways the Bible teaches us that we should all be giving. And I'd love to challenge us tonight to think and just to reflect about our giving, about how it is that we give to God out of our worship, out of the way that we're caught up and inspired by the vision to grow his church, and out of our motivation as we see need. But, you know, of course... Over and above all of this, we're given a principle by Paul as he writes to the church in Corinth that actually says when we give, you know, we mustn't give under compulsion, but we must give cheerfully. You know, whenever we talk about giving in any way, whether it's giving of our time, giving of our energy, giving of our finances, I don't want anyone to ever feel under any sense of compulsion that they have to do this. You know, yes, I think these are the principles that God lays down for us things that we should do in order to be in his army, to see his kingdom advance. But we must do them because God places them in our hearts and we do them cheerfully. So God has given us a vision. He's given us a vision to make disciples, to transform communities, to plant churches. He's done amazing things in this place and I believe he's going to do amazing things in this new season that we are stepping into together. And I would love to challenge us to think about how do we turn up? How do we team up? And then together, can we take up our offerings and present them to God? And we're going we're gonna to think about that now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here and I just want to give us a chance to reflect and, uh, and I'd love us to think especially about our financial giving. You know, like I said at the beginning, we do this a couple of times uh, a year, once in the spring and once in the autumn. Uh, it's not something we're always going on about. Um, but it's really important that we get intentional about this stuff because it's, it's very easy not to think about it. And I'd love to encourage you to think about two things. And the first thing, I'd love to encourage you to think, can I increase the regular giving that I give to the church. One of the things that Charlotte and I, um, my wife Charlotte and I love to do is that each year uh, we love to sit down and think, can we increase our giving? Even just by a tiny bit. Even just by a kind of an extra five pound a month or so. Can we increase the giving uh, that we do regularly to the church? And then uh, I'd also love you to think about whether or not God might be leading you to give a special offering at this time to the work of building God's church here in East London. You know, we want to see more disciples made. You know, we've started running out for every term now, and these things all take resources. Uh, You know, we've started uh, kind of looking at the different initiatives that we can do in our community, and they do take resources. Uh, We're thinking about how we can worship really well in this space. Yeah, we set a balanced budget for this year, but in order to do that, we've had to scale back a whole bunch of different things uh, in the church here. And one of the things that we would love to do in 2018 is to really invest more in our 
worship, to employ a new worship pastor, uh, to get some new kit. You know, one of the things that I really get excited about uh, is the visions that people have had in this place of praise and worship erupting out of the roof and kind of floating all across Tower Hamlets, you know, over the noisy highway. You know, and it's an area that we would really love to invest in. You know, we want to see more disciples made, more worship happening in this place. You know, I wonder, could you give to that? We want to see communities transformed and churches planted. You know, one of the things that I get really excited about is seeing leaders raised up. You know, one of the privileges that we had last summer, last, uh, last July, was to pray out five new leaders five church planters of the future and send five people into ordination college at St. Melitus. You know, I would love us to be a church that continues to resource and continues to send leaders out in order to plant, in order to see God's kingdom grow. And that all requires us to come together and to bring what we have, to offer it to God. So I'm just going to, we're going to put some music on. We're going to take some time. And I'd love you to uh, just take a little bit of time just to have a little think about what God might be saying uh, to you. Again, I don't want, this is not a heavy thing. No one's under any pressure to do anything they don't want to do. Um, there are some giving envelopes in the backs uh, of your chairs. Um, and uh, where's Philip? Philip is going to come around. She's got some pens. Uh, I would love it if you could take uh, the envelope out. And, uh, and I'd love it if you could write on that envelope. Uh, it might be uh, that you uh, want to just write a prayer uh, on that envelope. It might be that you want to make a specific gift. It might be that you want to go away and think about it. You know, I know that some of us are here and we need to go away and chat with our spouses uh, about what it is uh, that we might feel that God is calling us to give. Uh, some of us might just want to take some time this, way to, uh, this week to prayerfully consider how God is leading us in this way. Uh, and if that's, if that's you, then that's Fantastic, and I'd like just jot it down, and because uh, in a moment, as we continue to worship, we're going to put our uh, gift box uh, at the front here, and we, and I'd love us to take uh, an opportunity as we worship to come forward and to place these envelopes as a symbolic, as a symbolic way of saying I'm in, I'm a part of this army, and we're going to do that during the worship. Um, so let's just take some time. Why don't we just pop uh, some music on. Uh, the slide that popped up earlier, uh, the reason I wanted to pop that up is because there's a whole load of different ways to give. And I know many of you give in so many different ways uh, through things like stewardship or Lepton or Give As You Earn. Uh, but one of the, one of the, the best ways uh, for us to receive giving, and it's great that we can just be practical about this, uh, is actually just through straight bank transfers. A lot of uh, different ways, different charities that help enable giving uh, often take different percentages and things like that. And if you did want to give uh, a particular gift tonight towards the work of God's vision here, uh, the best way is really a direct uh, bank transfer and to fill in a gift aid form, which I know many of you have already done. So do jot down uh, those details or take a picture of them. Uh, you're really welcome to do that. Um, as ever, over at the life stand where we normally do our giving, there's a card machine. Uh, you're really welcome uh, to give by card uh, as well. Uh, Nick's going to be over there and he can give you a hand if you, uh, if you, if you need a hand with that. But why don't we let's just take some, take some time and let's just, uh, let's just think, each one, how might God be leading us? And then we're going to continue with our worship and take up our offering. <laughs> 